0: Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Hurrington as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles, if you would, as we continue in our study in Luke chapter 2. And by the way, I hope you're in no hurry to get through Luke because it's definitely going deeper than I thought it would be. I thought we'd be through chapter 2. But we're only going to get through just a little bit of Simeon today. As we look at, he's ready for departure. Let me ask you a question. Think of a time, or not a question, let me give you a statement here. Think of a time when you were waiting with anticipation for something wonderful to happen. Maybe it was a job promotion, a check to come in that was going to clear your accounts. Maybe it was an engagement proposal, or even the birth of a child. Something that was the source of hope, and encouragement, something that would bring comfort when it's finally arrived. So here's the question. Wouldn't you have imagined that time? How did you feel when it finally arrived? How did you feel when that check came in or the job promotion? Or maybe you got the offer of the job. Or maybe as you watched your bride come down the aisle. Or you held your baby for the first time. How did you feel? Probably ecstatic. You know, probably just Wonderful. Maybe there's a maybe there's a just a source of comfort that that it happened, that it's finally arrived. What about when it failed though to materialize? When the check didn't come through? The job interviewer said, no, we're going in another direction. Or maybe the one that you had put your hopes for happiness is not that hope. How did you feel then? Maybe disappointed? maybe shattered and heartbroken. We're going to look at something like that today. In last week's passage, Luke wants his Gentile readers to have certainty about the life of Christ. That's what we, you and I, want. We want to know, is what we know about Jesus, is it true? Is he truly the God-man? Is he truly the Savior? Is he truly the Lord, the anointed one, the ruler? Is all that we've heard about him True. And in that, we see that Mary and Joseph, their faithful obedience, his parents, their faithful obedience, as we see a beautiful picture of God's grace and mercy and love towards his children through the observance of the impurity laws of naming their child, presenting him for the Lord, and even the purification laws, which are difficult for you and I to understand. All of that points to God's wonderful love and mercy as this baby will one day purify us, make us clean. And he'll be able to make us to be able to approach God in worship and in service. But as we come to this passage today, we're going to be introduced to a man named Simeon. Now, by the way, I'm just going to point out, if I all of a sudden say, Simon, just, just go with it. But it's Simeon. Not much is known about this man. He only appears in scripture through Luke's account of the birth of Christ. However, he's going to play in a very important role in bringing certainty, not only to Luke's readers, his Gentile readers in the first century, but down through the ages and through history. And for you and I, Simeon is an important part, plays an important part for you and I to understand who Jesus is. He's that long, awaited Messiah so Luke chapter 2 I believe it should be here on the monitor but also follow along in your scripture if you have your Bible again if you do not have a Bible and you would like one I'd love to give you a copy of God's word Luke chapter 2 verse 25 Luke writes that there was a man in Jerusalem and his name was Simeon And this man was a righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of law, what we read last week, that he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Father, give us a sense of marvel this morning, a sense of Wonderment at who Jesus is. Lord, help us as we just tackle this portion of scripture. Give us our, our mind free from distractions. Keep things down to a minimum. Lord, let us be able to pay attention and, and through your Holy Spirit, let it rain through us and, and work in our hearts that we may understand what this has to do for us in 2020. Lord, we thank you for the life of Simeon. Lord, here is a man whose life we know nothing about, but yet he has, he is He is a a captured in scripture for all time, for us, and is profitable for doctrine, for instruction and righteousness. Lord, let us do that work this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, Simeon is another example of a man who served God in his generation and died. Let me say it again. Simeon again is another example of a man who served God in his generation and died, and what a great epithet. You've heard me say this before many times. This should be the goal of each and every one of you. I know a great grandfather, that'll be on mine, I'm sure. You know, a loving husband. You know, a wonderful pastor and teacher. All these wonderful, thank you. All these wonderful things can be said of me, but the one that matters the most is that he served God in his generation. What will be said of you? That's an editorial note, let's go on. What we see is that Simeon serves Yahweh by giving testimony to the good news that Jesus is the Messianic King who will bring God's reign and blessing. Now, as we've mentioned before, Luke is writing this orderly account of the life of Christ in order that his Gentile readers who did not experience Jesus, this is a generation, maybe a little bit longer after Jesus had lived his life, done his ministries and died and rose again, in order that his Gentile readers may have certainty about the things they've heard, the things they've read about Jesus, things that they've Been told. Let us understand for sure all those things that are at this point surrounding Christ's birth. That's why Luke is writing so much information about Christ's birth that's not found in the other Gospels, including the Gospel of Matthew. He's interviewing eyewitness accounts of the life of Christ. All these things so you and I may know and have certainty. Now in this scene, in this narrative, as the scene is back here at Jerusalem, we talked about the naming and the presentation and all the things that were happening in the temple. We now see inner stage right, so to speak, is Simeon is going to come into the narrative. And he's going to produce some evidence and give an eyewitness account. And what Luke wants us to know here is why you and I 2,000 years after Christ is dead and rose is why you and I should think of Simeon as a credible witness. Why should you and I take Simeon's word for it, that Jesus is the Messiah? Now, Scripture gives us, no, as I said before, no other information about this man. We do not know who his uh, his parents are which happens many times in scriptures. He doesn't tell us his tribe, which is given many times. It doesn't give his occupation. It doesn't even tell us his age, though we may assume that he's older, advanced in age by what we're going to see in this passage. But what it does give us is something very remarkable. And here is what Luke, through the Holy Spirit, wants us to know about Simeon and why he's a credible witness, why you and I should take his testimony about who Jesus is. So I'm going to give you four things. These are not on the screen. So just if you're taking notes, the first thing that we're going to see through Scripture, why we should consider him a credible witness, number one, is that he was considered righteous and devout. Now, Scripture doesn't say that about many people. But we see this man was righteous and devout. Now, there were many types of groups of people in Israel in this time leading up to Christ's birth and incarnation. There were the liberals. Those were represented by the Sadducees. Many of them, we understand who they are. They were one of the leaders of the Israel people. They accepted only the first five books of the Bible. They did not accept Joshua through Malachi as part of the Bible. They were not authoritative. And they also did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Now, then they received that the other group of people in Israel at that time were the legalists. These were the, the Pharisees. These were the main foils, if you would, of Jesus and his earthly ministry. They were always attacking Jesus. And they spent their time putting heavy spiritual burdens on the people that they themselves would not bear. On the Sabbath, you cannot do this. You can only carry something for so many yards before you'd have to let it go. You, you have to do this. You have to do that. They were very good at making people do things, yet themselves would not do it. Then there were the politicizers. They were the zealots, known as the zealots. One of the disciples of Christ was this group, by the way, Simon the Zealot. He was a zealot. He was a politicizer. His goal, their goal, I should say, was to overthrow Rome and Herod at by any means possible. They were looking for the Messiah, yes, but they were looking for a political Messiah, a military Messiah. Now, the Essenes, they were the hermits. They had abandoned the villages, the cities, and the population centers. They lived in the desert. This is probably maybe what John the Baptist was doing a little bit. They spent their time studying the scriptures and seeking Yahweh through forsaking all worldly goods and pleasures and things of that nature. But then we come to the remnant. Now the remnant, this group of people, they were eagerly awaiting and praying and looking for the Messiah. Scriptures identify the members of this group by describing them as righteous and devout. Simeon was one of the remnant of Israel. Remember when we studied Elijah, I think this past summer, he said, God gave him, said, you are not left alone. There is a remnant. God always has a remnant of people who worship him. Other righteous and devout people identified in Scripture is Joseph of Arimathea, as we see that he's the one that helps or puts Jesus into his tomb. But also Cornelius, the Roman centurion, he was not a Jew, but it says that he was a righteous, devout man in the book of Acts. Even though he's a Roman, he had given money for the Jewish synagogue and he was looking for the Messiah. And you might recall when Peter went to him and shared with him the gospel. Now, when Luke writes that Simeon was a righteous and devout, he was part of that remnant that was looking forward to the Messiah. When he says righteous and devout, that does not mean that Simeon was perfect, that he was out sin- without sin, or even pure. Now, one theologian remarks that in the New Testament, when you see the words that they were a righteous man or they were devout, This means that they were righteous and about according to God's proper standards and actions that were expressed in the covenants. In other words, they followed the law. They were doing those things looking forward to the Messiah. They were looking to worship God. It refers to a person in accord with God's standards. They were in a proper relationship with God. He was a godly and God-fearing man. So you and I should consider Simeon as a credible witness. Because the Holy Spirit himself says that Simeon was a righteous and devout man. He was living right with God. Number two, Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Luke writes that. That Simeon, that's when he was spending his time. He was waiting for the consolation. Now, here you and I need to ask a question. And probably when you read that, you say, what in the world is consolation? Now, when you think of consolation, you may think of a sports, right? They are, the, they are the, the best losers, right? They get the consolation prize. They're in the consolation bracket. They lost their first game, maybe their second game, and they're hoping to be the best of all the losers, right? So we think of that, or we console someone when someone passes away. However, consolation actually refers to a time when, according to Isaiah 40, chapter 1 and 2, that God would end Israel's time of annihilation and suffering through the advent of the Messiah. I think you'll see this. It's already here in Isaiah chapter 40. Look at that on the monitor with me. Look at what he says here. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now, you and I just read just a little bit ago, I think it was Randy who read earlier in our scripture reading, the accusation that God gave to Isaiah about them before. 39 chapters later, after the prophet accuses them and shows them their sin, he says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is what? Ended. That her iniquity is pardon. Let's do that again. That her iniquity is pardon, That she received from the Lord's hand. Double for all her sin. So when it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, it's referring to this passage in Isaiah chapter 40, those first two verses. It actually means to give comfort. Just as when you give, hey, I want to, my consolidations to, to the death of your family. You're bringing comfort. He's looking for the comfort that God had promised to Israel to the end of their warfare, to the, to the pardon of their sin and their rebellion as a, as a corporate group cor- uh, to Christ. To understand this promise of comfort, you and I must understand why they needed comfort in the first place. For early in our scripture reading of Isaiah chapter 1-4, we read that Yahweh accused of Israel of being a sinful nation. They were a people laden with iniquity. They were offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. He goes on to say, you have forsaken God. You have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. The children of Israel, as you and I read the Old Testament, have been conquered. They have been displaced. They were subjugated by four different world empires, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, the Greece, and now Roman. Once again, they are a subjugated people. They have been warned and called to repentance from Jeremiah to Hosea to Daniel and so on and so on, yet to no avail. Israel would not repent. By the time Simeon 400 years have passed and no prophet of God has been sent with any reassuring words of comfort from God. No prophet has arisen and says, God still remembers you. God will come and heal your pain. Yet it's into the silence that the almighty God will thunder into human history with the incarnation of his son. This is what Simeon is looking for. Though you and I do not know his age, it seems that he was advanced in years. And all this time, he was waiting and anticipating the salvation of the Lord, the comfort of the Lord, the consolation of the Lord. And this promise, consolation is a promise of comfort and encouragement. It's actually an appeal, if you will, to Yahweh's faithfulness. And goodness towards his children. This is what got him up in the morning. His first thought is: Is this the day? Is God going to come today? Will He send the Messiah today? Remember, from our studying in in in, um, in uh, I'm sorry in um Exodus. You know, I'm going to turn to it really quickly. Exodus chapter one. You don't have to turn there, but Exodus chapter one. You might recall when when uh, Egypt or when the children of uh, Israel. For 400 years they had been in Egypt. And so they cry out to the Lord. And we had heard this thing where it says that Jesus, or the the Father. Now, where am I at here? See, this is extra, so this is the problem. I'm not going to be able to find it. It's in chapter one. This is important. Well, what it says here, I'm not going to find it right here real quickly, but what we see is that God heard. God heard their cry. He remembered, and he sends to deliver. In the same way, they're, they're calling out from what their forefathers. God, hear us. God, remember us. God, deliver us. This is what got Simeon up each and every morning. Now I had to ask the question, what we'll gets you up in the morning? We talked about this in, in uh, uh, our adult core class about being missionaries, being a call, recognizing that we're called to be missionaries. Number three, not only was Simeon looking forward to the comfort of Israel, but number three, he is a credible witness because he was empowered with the Holy Spirit. He was empowered with the Holy Spirit. The Bible, Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, this indicates that the powerful anointing and manifest presence of the Holy Spirit was upon his life. Now, recognizing that this speaks of the Holy Spirit's work prior to Christ's atoning work on the cross, before the indwelling Spirit that comes in Acts, you and I can think about the Holy Spirit upon Simeon. Simeon was similar to when the third person of the Trinity would put his power on Samson and David and the Old Testament prophets. He would come upon them and allow them to do certain things in a a miraculous and supernatural way. What we're reading here is that Yahweh blesses the faithfulness of Simeon by sending the Holy Spirit to come to encourage and to sustain him during his long wait for that promised comfort. He's a credible witness because in such a way that the Holy Spirit felt that it was necessary to sustain him. But number four, we see that Simeon receives some inside information. And this gets to the crust of, What's going on here? And she look at that passage, it said it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Why did he get up every day expecting it? Because the Lord says, you will be sustained. You will not die until you see the comfort of Israel. You will not die until you see the Lord's Christ, his anointed one. Now think about that. He did not receive the date of his death, but something actually even more weighter, something more greater, more grander, that he himself will be able to witness the coming of the Yahweh's anointed one, the Messiah. This righteous king who will rule with just justice and usher into peace. All that which Israel has been longing for and looking. He says, you will see it in your lifetime. He receives an honor that the remnant, the faithful of Israel have longed for generations. He would awake each day knowing that he was closer to seeing the comfort of God. That would get someone up in the morning. Today might be the day. This may be the day that God's salvation comes. What a blessing. What a remarkable character reference. This wonderful gift was given to no other man than Simeon. It was not given to the king of Israel. It was not given to the Caesar of Rome. It was not given to a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or even one of the Zealots, the military leaders. No, it was given to a man that we know nothing about. You will not die until you see the comfort of God. What a source of renewing comfort and encouragement that had to be for this man to be blessed by the holy spirit. And as you and I come to verse 27, we read that that day had finally arrived. That day is coming. Simeon most likely began that day like every other day, saying his prayers, preparing for the day this may be the day. Maybe his hope is uh, is still there and he's looking forward to it. He's going to the temple, but something special is about to happen that will change his life. Forever. Look at with me at verse 27. Is he a credible witness? We see four reasons why he is. In verse 27, look, and he came in the spirit. Once again, you see the Holy Spirit is on three times, I believe, already in the scripture. We're seeing that he's connected with the Spirit. He comes into, into the temple. And when the parents, speaking of Mary and Joseph, brought in the baby child Jesus, so this is what we've already read about last week. As he's bringing him in, all of a sudden we see to do to him according to the custom law. We see that he's entering here as he sees what's happening. Now, once again, that Luke points out the Holy Spirit was guiding Simeon. This is a providential meeting. This is not an incident. By the way, this is just a pastoral side note. There are no accidents that happen. All things in our life happen because God has written them before the time, pages of time. All things happen according to his will, even at this moment. Now, if Simeon knew what or who was there, it's not told us. It's not told, say, go there, you will see him. But all we know is that he goes. But Luke indicates that he did knew immediately who this child was when he saw him with his parents and the presentation of Christ. Mary and Joseph, as we read last week, are there to offer their sacrifices for the purification and the redemption required by the law for a firstborn son. It seems that Simeon is entering here, coming into the temple, and he sees their act of obedience and devotion, and he recognizes through the Holy Spirit that this child is the promised one of God. He sees it. I don't know. I can't imagine what is what was going through his mind or his expressions, but I would think it had him in joy, maybe ultimate surprise. Maybe he took a step back, but whatever may happen, we do read in Luke in verse 28 that in joy, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. He walks up to Mary and Joseph, and this is kind of a scary thing for you and I to think of, and he takes the baby Jesus, and he takes him in his arms. This should always be our response to the good news of the gospel, to embrace it, to grab onto it, to receive it with joy. This little 40-day-old baby was the consolation of Israel. It is the comfort, the anointed one of Yahweh, the Messiah, the righteous king. He is the one who's going to restore God's people and his kingdom. Salvation has come. For Simeon, we see that as he, he, he embraces this baby, we see that he is satisfied with God's provision. As we read in verse 29, What is his response as he grabs the baby, holds him? Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. What's the witness from Simeon? I've seen the comfort of Israel. I am holding the comfort of Israel. This this little 40-day-old baby, this is the salvation Of God. Simeon is ready for departure. Take me home. I've done all that I've ever wanted to do. God has sustained me. God has promised me. And I've seen it. I am ready to go now. Now now, look, this is a baby. In our view, he has not done anything as of yet. His death is 33 so years in the future. He doesn't even know how this consolation and comfort of Israel will be done. But I'm ready to go. I've seen all. And see, that's the testimony that Luke has given us. He says, I want you to have certainty because this man, who I'm trying to share with you, is credible, is ready to die because he is satisfied that God has fulfilled his purpose. He has accomplished all that he wanted in his life was to witness the anointed one. It has been, he has spent his life serving Yahweh faithfully and he awaited the promised comfort of Israel. Simeon displays great faith in the word of God and then the revealing of the baby Jesus as that promised Messiah. He is satisfied and ready to go home. Now this peace, this readiness to depart from this world is going to be based on four important declarations or four uh, fulfilled promises. Let me say that once again because I missaid that. This peace, this readiness to depart from this world is going to be based on the wonderful, important declaration that's found in four fulfilled promises. And we're going to look at that. That will be on the screen if you're taking notes. As we look at verses 31 and 32. He says, I'm ready to depart because of these four promises. Number one, we see that God was faithful in sustaining Simeon's life. He was faithful in sustaining. He says, "My eyes have seen your salvation." Day by day Simeon was preserved by God's wonderful amazing grace and mercy. And each day was another precious gift from God to Simeon as he Simeon as he awaited Messiah's appearance. He recognized God has been faithful. I am ready to go, this is the Messiah. I don't have to wait any longer. He's not like John the Baptist that says, well, wait a second, are you sure you're the Christ? Are, are you the one that we've been looking for? Now remember that, we'll maybe see that, I think that's more in, in, in John's gospel, and Matthew and Mark, is that John the Baptist, when he was in prison, says, wait a second, are you the one, remember, and he, he had already told everyone, his disciples, go follow the Lamb. He had said, I'm not worthy to baptize you or even to tie your your sandals. Near the end of his life, he said, are you sure you're the one? And remember what Jesus said? Go tell him that the lame walk again, the blind see, the sick are healed. Simeon hasn't seen him do anything not to be sacrilegious, but all Jesus is doing is cooing. And he says, I'm ready to go. I've seen it. God is faithful. This is the one. Not only two, he could say this because of the faithful promise that God was faithful in preparing for the redemption of his children. Number two, God was faithful in preparing for the redemption of your children. He says that you have prepared in the presence of all your people. You and I need to realize that it was no secret that God was sending a savior to the people. As we have pointed out earlier, it was promised in Genesis chapter 3:15 immediately after the fall. It was prophesied by the prophets, it was symbolized through the sacrifices, it was demonstrated through the earthly king of Israel. Turn if you would quickly to Psalms chapter 98 verse 1 if you would please. Psalms 98 In Psalms 98, as we look at verse 1, the psalmist says, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of Israel, in the sight of Judah, in the sight of Abraham's house. No. He says in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. He says, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise, Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. How can this be? As you and I can recall that Israel was to manifest the glory of God and they were to demonstrate God's faithful love and service to his children and also pronounced that a savior was coming and now that promise has been revealed in the incarnation of Jesus Christ the son of god that one that secret i'm it, sorry it's not a secret and Simeon recognizes this the third reason that we can see that he can say this that he can be ready to depart because god was faithful in including the gentiles in his redemption plan he understood that this was going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, this little baby. God's plan was always redeem all of his children, regardless if they were children of Abraham or not. Jesus himself would proclaim in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light or the light of life. John the Baptist would preach that Jesus is the true light, which gives light to everyone. That does not mean that all would accept this promised Savior. No many are going to reject and deny this little baby. However, no one will be without excuse. All will one day stand and uh, will one day stand before Jesus and give account for how they have received his work, his ministry, and his word. Then fourthly, we see that Simeon is ready to depart this world because God was faithful in restoring Israel. He understands the promises of God have been fulfilled. He says, this is also for your glory. Finally, after generation after generation had abandoned and rebelled against Yahweh, God is now ready to restore his children Isaiah the prophet had declared centuries before, In the Lord all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall be glorified. In Isaiah 46, he says, Listen to me, you stubborn of the heart, you who are far from righteousness. I will bring near my righteousness, not a gift far off. My salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. He recognized that not only is this baby the light For the Gentiles, but also, as I've said before, it is the comfort of Israel. Simeon gives praise and blessing to God for his faithfulness in providing for Israel's comfort and restoration that will come as they accept this child as Messiah. What Luke has given to us in these short eight verses is that Simeon serves as a great character witness that Jesus is that Messianic King who will bring God's reign and blessing. This narrative with Simeon shows that from an early age, Jesus was identified as the Messiah. That is what we've seen from Luke 1 up to now. Next week, we're going to see a little bit more of, of, of Simeon's words, but also as we come to Anna, we'll get another witness of who Jesus is. He's identified as the Messiah, not from the time of his baptism, not from the time of the cross, but from his early birth. This witness account of the person of the baby Jesus is to strengthen our certainty about the person and work of Christ as the Savior of the world and the righteous King, the Son of God. And as you and I come to verse 33, we read that after this word of blessing, that his father, mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. I think you and I can understand that reaction. Most of us don't hear those types of encouraging words about our children, especially in public. This special word of blessing serves to confirm all that had been told them by the angel Gabriel, by Elizabeth, the shepherds. For nine months, they have considered the uniqueness of their baby. This encounter with a complete stranger to them must have come as a welcome surprise. All that had been promised and revealed about their son is true. He is the Savior, an anointed Messiah. Now, I want to come very quickly to what about us today? How does Simeon help us? How can he encourage us? Well, you and I need to consider that this spirit-led encounter, you and I can be assured of the credible character and witness of Simeon. His brief supernatural appointment with the Christ child adds to the evidence that Jesus is that messianic king who will bring God's reign and blessings. You and I are no longer waiting for his arrival to redeem his children from the enslavement of sin, to destroy the works of the devil, or to secure our forgiveness and provide for our righteousness. No, God's comfort to his children has arrived. Amen? You and I look back to that event. Simeon was looking Forward to it and experience. You and I have looked back to it. However, you and I do have some similarities with Simeon. You and I are called to continue to wait for the second coming of Christ, one in which he will come to gather his children, fully restore Israel, and to rule in righteousness and peace. For you and I, we too should be Simeon. What should get up us in the morning is that the Christ may come again today. You and I are praying for the comfort that he comes when he comes again. The Bible tells us that all creation still groans for the redemption of sons. You and I, when we sin and 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 our conscience and our guilt and the shame bears heavy on us, you and I just desire that time when Christ comes and makes us totally free from sin. I pray that that's your prayer. Maranatha, come quickly. So what should you and I do while we wait for that second day? Well, we ought to imitate, mimic, the heart and mind of Simeon. Number one, you and I need to realize that you and I are to be credible witnesses to the world, that God's salvation has come. You and I also need to be credible witnesses. I mean, are you a credible witness? If you were to come and say, let me tell you about who Jesus is, would someone look at your life and the words you use and the way you live and say, you don't have much credibility. You go to church? You believe in God? Oh, are you a credible witness? Number two, we are to walk in the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised his disciples that he would send a helper, a comforter, to enlighten us, to give us his word, to help us to be that credible witness. You and I need the Holy Spirit's life. Now, Simeon lived in a day in which the Holy Spirit would come and then depart. That does not happen to the child of God. You know, you and I don't really need to pray, fill me with the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit is in his children. He doesn't depart. He doesn't leave us. He's an indwelling guarantor of our salvation. Now, yes, we may pray more for the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to enlighten us and to to change us, but yet he never leaves us. So you and I have something that Simeon doesn't have. We're empowered and enlightened by his work each and every day. Number three, we're to be anticipating and waiting for the comfort of God that comes when Christ returns. You and I, if we were to take time, we don't have the time. If you would write this down in your notes, if you would take time just to read this passage yourself. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Reading, starting with verse 9 and work to verse 18. First, Paul is telling this church, he says, no one needs to write to you. Here's what you need to do. You need to love one another. One another. You need to aspire to live quietly while you wait for Christ to return. You need to mind your own affairs. You need to work with your own hands that you may walk properly before outsiders and not be dependent upon anyone. In other words, live your life as Christ has called you to. But then he goes on to say, listen to this, do not be uninformed, is that one day Christ will come. He says that Christ will come, uh, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God. And it says the dead in Christ will rise first. But then he goes, Thee, then we who are first al- or who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and we will meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Here's the words, comfort, comfort my people. This life it's temporary. I am returning, and I will rule. I will rule on earth in justice and in righteousness. And that's not what our world cries out for. But he says, I'm coming again. And in verse 18, he ends with this phrase, this sentence. Therefore, because I am coming again, encourage one another with these words let us have the life in the mind of simeon waking up each morning being a credible witness for christ living out through the holy spirit and waiting for the time when christ comes again bring your attention to the monitor as i close out with these words from 2nd thessalonians chapter 2 now may our lord jesus christ himself and god our father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and a good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. May we be simians for the cause of Christ. With well, every head bowed, head bowed, and every eye closed, I'll ask the worship team to come up. I just want to encourage you. I'm going to ask Randy to be here after the service up here in the front. If you need prayer, I just want to challenge you. Do you have the mind and heart of Simeon today? Are you a credible witness for Christ? Are you living through the Holy Spirit? And are you waiting for Christ to come? We can do that because Simeon has done and shown that for us as he waited for the baby Christ. Now, he didn't know he'd be a baby. I'm sure he might have thought it was going to be a military leader who would ascend through the ranks. We don't don't know all of what Simeon was expecting. But we do know that when he met that baby, He was satisfied. Expectations met. Jesus can do the same for you. If you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus as your Savior, but you come to him today. See, just as Simeon's day for departure was ready, today is the day of salvation. Salvation has come. Just repent from your sin and turn and put your trust in the works of Christ. We'd love to show you how you can become a Christian, show you how you too can accept Jesus and see how Jesus will meet every expectation and exceed it. Randy will be here at the end of the service. He could share that with you. I'll be at the back. You can email me, call me. We'd just love to share with you how you too can know Christ. But I also want to just challenge and encourage the Christian here whether you are here and, and, and you are spirit-filled and, and God is leading you and you're strong, or you're someone who's just at this moment weak in your faith, struggling with your sin, come, find comfort in the promises of God. For God has shown us that he is faithful. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. Take this message and let us not forget it, but let us work in our hearts this week. Let it stir up all sorts of uh, dust and troubles and things in which we do not seek satisfaction in your promises and your faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Expose our sin, expose any weakness, expose the ways in which our minds are, are being attacked and we're falling. Strengthen us for the battle. Encourage us in our weight. Empower us as we live uh, among others during that wait. Knowing, Lord, that you're coming again. We look forward to that comfort. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help share the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.